question for you. You don't have to answer this, but <coughs> excuse me. But but I but I want you to just think about this. Have you maybe you felt like this? Is prayer complicated? Is it complicated? And potentially um, you would answer yes based on either the type of church background you have, the type of church you grew up in. Either maybe you're brand new and, you, and you're like, prayer, I, I've got no idea. Um, or, or maybe how you've been taught. I am hoping to uncomplicate that for you today. Sometimes we think of prayer like a cheat code in an old video game. And some people know the secret. They know that combo, that old famous combo, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start for unlimited lives. Some people know it. And I remember being probably eight years old and going over a neighborhood friend's house, and all of a sudden he goes, and unlimited lives. I'm like, what did you do? I remember going home and pushing a bunch of buttons and nothing happened. Pushing more buttons, nothing happened. And thinking, that guy, he knows the secrets to life. He is a wizard. Which is a great movie, by the way, if you've never seen it. An old, old movie. Uh, the Wizard, yeah. It's an old video game movie. We should, uh, we should have a movie night. Anybody up for it? Yeah. Um, Listen, before we jump into that, that we talk more about prayer, I wanted to share with the whole church about a strategy shift and a strategy change that we've made in the church that has been months in the making. And I don't remember when we first started having this conversation, but it must have been, I don't, I don't even remember, maybe July. And so we've been working and having conversation for quite a while and working behind the scenes to make a whole bunch of changes. And so one of the things that when I became lead pastor that I tried to, tried to shift is we used to have stuff every single night of the church. And that kind of went against me because as Christians, I believe like we should be, you know, interacting with people who aren't Christians. And also, I believe that as parents, we should be discipling our own children. And that can't happen if um, Sunday night, uh, I'm trying to remember what it used to be like, but um, Sunday night, everybody was segregated in the church building based on the age, and Monday nights was uh, women's small groups, and um, Tuesday night was like women's big event night, Wednesday night was youth group. Thursday night was a regular church small group. Saturday morning was men's group. And I was like, you know, I'm like, this is not good. I don't feel it's scriptural if we're separating the family so many different times in, in a week. And so that was one of the changes we, we made early on um, when I became lead pastor but then in 2020, when everything happened with, with, uh, with I, I hate to even use any of these words, I'm trying, when everything, when everything happened, uh, we, we ended up in the course of that, we kind of reverted to some old habits and we started having things almost every night of the week. So um, for 
some people, I'm trying to think, but uh, you have Sunday night worship night, Monday night staff meetings, which was part of this change. So we, every Monday night we have, we have staff meetings. Um, Tuesday night youth group, Wednesday night circles, Thursday night team night. I know the one coming up is on Wednesday. That was part of the change. You'd have, uh, and then Saturdays, occasional workshops like we had one yesterday for our, for our, our, our staff and core four volunteers. We were here all day learning and growing and strategizing. So I'm like, hey, guys, we've done it again. Like, we've gone back to separating out the family kind of multiple nights a week. We've got to shift and structure that. So one of the shifts that we made, and I, you know, and I just kind of revealed a bunch, we got Monday night meetings happening every Monday night now uh, to help support and protect the family from being out all nights of the week. The other shift that we're making is Wednesday nights. And so not only is Freedom Circle happening at our building is on Wednesday nights, but we're moving our student ministries from Tuesday night to Wednesday night as well. So instead of you drop off your kids and then another night of the week you leave your kids and go to your circle, you have the possibility, depending on, on, uh, on, your, on your family, to bring your kid, bring your student to youth ministry and then walk to another part of the building and have your circle at the same time. So it's one night of the week instead of two nights of the week. And this is, this is a deliberate strategy. We want you to spend time with your family. We want you to be involved in your community. And uh, that doesn't work if we're always here. So that shift for our student ministry is happening on February 8th, the night of our first, that's the week of circles. There'll still be circles happening in people's homes at other times of the week. Um, and, and so that's still happening. But on Wednesday nights at all of our locations, Freedom Circles will be happening starting February 8th. All of our youth ministries will be uh, happening this, the same time in the building starting February 8th. And this is a small, subtle change we're doing to help you to help you spiritually grow, to help your family spiritually grow. And depending on your location, you can talk with your kids leader at your location. There may even be uh, kids programming for, for, for like first to fifth grade. Um, there may be some sort of kids programming or child care happening on Wednesday nights as well. So if you have kids of multiple age brackets, you can just come put them in their group attend your group, and then go home after that. So you, your response right now is you're like, wow, brilliant, Pastor Nate. Good job! Uh, and I'm not going to solely take the credit for it. I mean, this is a team. I mean, we, we had hours and hours of conversation. And through 2023, we actually have a series of circles that will be happening at our buildings throughout Wednesday nights. So Freedom Circle is starting February 8th. That, that is um, like 12 weeks long. It ends with the Freedom Encounter weekend, which is going to be May 5th and 6th, an overnight retreat. Freedom Circle is going to be so, so powerful and life-transforming for so many of you. So that's going to be happening. In the summer, we're going to be having, uh, um, we're going to be going through 
uh, a series taught by Pastor Scott Wilson about following Jesus. It's going to be a group, um, a group session that you then split off into one-on-one kind of mini circles. Uh, we'll call them dots. All right, so we'll, we'll divide into a bunch of dots and go through the material one-on-one. And that will be happening. Financial peace will happen through this year at all of our locations. And then in the fall, we will, the circle that we'll offer to everybody is called Foundations. And it will be going through these core um, doctrines that we believe and helping you to understand and helping you to teach that. Or, or we'll be teaching you that so you have ability to do so. Why do we believe this? Well, this is why. These are the scriptures. This is the teaching. And and to bring you through that. That will be happening all year. This pattern of these four F's, so it's uh, uh, freedom, foundations, follow, and, uh, and financial peace. For the next three years, we'll be offering these. So this is a three-year strategy. We'd love for you to go through all four of those, at least three of those, over the next three years. And so strategize that out. Figure out how you can do that. And we want you to be like Jesus. So that's the plan. We're not trying to get you involved in a program or trying to just get you to take a class. It's part of our internal transformation of being like him. Now, jumping back to prayer. As, we, as we're thinking about prayer for last week, this week, and next week, we're talking about pray like Jesus. And In this process of praying like Jesus, in this process of becoming like Jesus, I don't want you to think of the instant results. And I don't want you to give up when there's not instant results, but I want you instead to think of the long-term results. We said this on the podcast last week, what will your life look like 30 years from now if you have the spiritual discipline of praying and fasting? So you fast one time, you're like, I didn't really, nothing changed. I, I didn't really have any deep revelation, so I guess it didn't work for me. No. <laughs> you need to think through, what is your life? What will happen 30 years from now if you learn how to fast? Who will you be like 30 years from now if just every day you decide to follow Jesus? Every day you decide to be more like him. There is um, uh, the, the world record there's this guy named, and I don't know how to completely pronounce his name, but, but uh, Feja Singh. And he, at the, year, uh, at the age of 100, ran a marathon. And it wasn't his first marathon, but he started running marathons at the age of 89. So as far as I'm aware, um, he's still alive. He's 109 years old. He's since retired from running. But I don't want you to think through of, I tried to run a marathon, it didn't work. Or, uh, but I want you to think through, what will I look like? What can I accomplish? What will my life be like? What will my spiritual man be like at the age of 100? If at the age I am right now, I learn how to fast and pray and all the things we covered this year. What will my life look like in 30 years if I experience freedom, if I follow Jesus completely? Even within your relationship, again, thinking not instantaneous results, but long-term results. As we talk about praying like Jesus, if you as a married couple will pray out loud together. I said this a few years ago in a sermon, but some people don't realize. If you as a married couple pray out loud together, 
Couples who pray out loud together, married couples who pray out loud together, have a divorce rate of less than 1%. Praying out loud together, it's like a, a pretty simple thing. And it's not like these passive-aggressive, manipulative prayers. But praying out loud together, it, it means you have a marriage success rate of over 99%. It is really shocking. Like, is it really that easy? I don't, I don't think it is that easy. But there's something to the daily, the, the little daily disciplines that add up and compound and build over time. So in this, in today as we're focusing on praying like Jesus, last week was fasting and prayer. Today we're going to talk about how to pray and we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Next week, Pastor Stephen's coming and preaching. He'll be talking through the prayer Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and and talking about, you know, how do we pray in these really difficult times? If you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 11. And you can Google this. You can open up your Bible app. And if, you've, if you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, our, our, our next steps, our guest services, they'll give you one. Just walk up like, hey, you know, hey, you said you could have a Bible. Can I really? And like, they'll give you one. Um, and it feels like stealing, but, but it's not. And... And so we want to do that. We want to help you with that because the Bible is God's word. The Bible in it are the words of life. The Bible is not an ancient antique book, but it's actually alive. It's living. It's spiritual. So we want you to have it and to read it because it is going to transform you in that daily discipline of reading it. So Luke chapter 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Now, I'm going to read this in two different translations. So um, let's read the first part. This is where we normally read out of, out of the New Living Translation. And it said, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. Now I'm going to pause right there. We're going to switch here into the New King James Version. Because some of us, even if we haven't grown up in church, we have the Lord's Prayer memorized. And likely you haven't memorized it in the New Living Translation. You probably haven't even memorized it maybe in the New King James Version. Uh, but you have... You, but usually we've memorized it in one of the older, kind of old English translations. So this is going to be a little bit to help you, for, for you maybe recognize, oh, I've heard this in a movie. Oh, I've, I've heard this part in a song. Like you probably are familiar with parts of it. So Jesus, teaching his disciples to pray, said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's walk through this together. He says first, they say first, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think that's um I think that's a an int I think that's a great thing, right? Because they saw Jesus pray and they understood we don't know how to do that. We I, I, you know, some of these guys have been praying their whole life. They've 
They've grown up in the Jewish faith. They've, they've studied Hebrew. They've studied the Old Testament. They've gone to synagogue and they've, they've gone to the temple. They've been involved in this. But when they see Jesus pray, they're like, what, what, what he's doing is different than what we've done. What we've done. They say, hey, Jesus, teach us. If you were here the very first week of the series, we used this illustration of the Rubik's Cube. And Jesus is this perfect, complete Rubik's Cube. And we are the, this unfinished you know, mess. And this part of being like Jesus is allowing him through the Holy Spirit to, to change us and transform us and mold us and correct us and, and reprioritize us till eventually one day in our life we will be like him. Go back to the other picture. We can, through the Holy Spirit working in our life, go back to the completed one. We can, through the Holy Spirit, become like Jesus. It is a process. And and, and you think, Pastor, I think, I think you're talking heresy. Like, we can't be like Jesus. Well, I think we can, and, and I think it's been done. If we look at Scripture, I talked about this in the podcast a couple weeks ago. Enoch, it says he walked with God, and then he was no more. Like, God just brought him to heaven, like, hey, hey you've done it. Like, why don't, you just, why don't you just come right up? And so Enoch never died. He's one of two people in Scripture that never died. He just was brought to heaven. We can do this. When we think we can't, we just think, go back to the mess. We just think, my life's a mess. Always be a mess. And thankfully, I've got church. And uh, hopefully, they don't find out who I really am. No, if you allow Jesus, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, it doesn't matter how, how horrible you are now. If you let him, he'll begin to shape you and transform you and make you like him. So the disciples, they see Jesus praying and they say, hey, we're not like that. They say, make us like you, Jesus. This prayer that we're going to walk through very quickly, this is not a prayer that Jesus himself prayed. This is just him teaching us how to pray. How do we know Jesus himself did not pray this? Well, one of the parts of this prayer was, forgive us for our sins. Jesus never prayed that because he never sinned. He never prayed that. So he's helping us to understand, all right, you want to interact with my father, you want, here's what you need to do. So let's walk through this. He says, first say this, our father in heaven. There's a big part of this that I don't want you to miss. He's your father too. He doesn't say, all right, when you pray, say, hey, Jesus is father. He says, pray our father. He, if you allow him to, if you receive Jesus as your savior, he is your heavenly father. We don't want to say, Excuse me, Mr. God, could I have some bread too? He, Jesus is teaching us to pray as his sons and, and his daughters. So he goes on now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? This is a request. This is the first thing that Jesus teaches us to ask God for. 
So he's not, you know, he's telling, you're going to ask God for a bunch of things. Here's the first thing you're going to ask for. They are asking, we are to ask that God's name would be hallowed or holy. God, holy be your name. Now God's name's already holy. This prayer doesn't all of a sudden make his name holy. But this prayer is asking that that God will make his name holy to all people through his works and his deeds. This prayer is also a prayer that we would keep his name holy. For the parents in the room, I don't know if you've ever had this experience or even for a teacher in the room. But when your child begins calling you by your first name. It's not wrong. I mean, that's my name. But we don't want them to call us. I mean, I don't want my kids calling me Nate. Michelle doesn't want the kids calling, or my wife doesn't want the kids calling her Michelle. Why? Because there's a special, there's a better privilege to that. I'm Nate to everybody else, but no, to you, I'm dad. I want you to keep that name holy. Dad, that's that's a holy, sacred name in this household. (laughs) Not in the way that it sounds like. (laughs) I want, it's a special privilege. Sometimes we, we've got to remember that it is a holy name and that prayer, Jesus teaching that to remember it is a, it is a holy name. Sometimes you know what, we're using God's name as a curse word, but then we're coming back to him later and saying, hey, I've got to pray, to, I want to pray to you. If your kid says, hey, hey, dad, you're the worst, and then they come back later and, you know what, dad, you are the best. Can I have this? <laughs> well, which am I? Am I only the best if I do what you want? Jesus then says, pray this, your kingdom come. This is the second request. We're asking things for God. God, your name be holy. God, your kingdom come. And we're praying for the coming of the kingdom of God here and now in our lives every day. God, may your kingdom happen Now, here in our service, may your kingdom happen now. Here in my workplace, may your kingdom happen now. Here in my house. Simultaneously, we're also praying for Jesus' return at the end of time and for that eternal reign of God. Jesus, may today be the day you return. He goes on to say, your Pray this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And part of this prayer is us saying, conform my will, conform my plans to your divine will. I've got my plans, I've got my strategy, but let me, let me pray a prayer of personal yielding. Here's what I want, here's what I think, here's what I do. I have my plans, but line me up to your plans. Him before me. God's will before my will. And another scripture that you may have heard before says, 
Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. He continues, give us day by day our daily bread. And this is the first request for our, for our physical need. The first request for our own need. Some of us only know this part of the prayer. We say, Heavenly Father, I need, uh, I need some food and I need a new job and I need uh, uh, a relationship and I need my kids to listen and I need a new car and I need the pastor to do what I emailed him about and I need God, so could you do all those things? Amen. There's nothing wrong with praying for God to meet our physical needs. There's nothing God wrong with praying for God to help and intervene and do miracles. Nothing wrong with that. But our prayer, if we're going to pray like Jesus, it involves much more than that. It's not just about what we can get from him. But we do need to recognize that as our father, he, he does want to provide for our needs. Continues and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Forgive us, and we're going to forgive those who have wronged us. There's a, there's a big part here that the Christian life is an unoffended life. And as Christians, we give up the right to be offended. So if you are angry at this church, you're like, I'm going to leave. They've made me so mad. You know what? We don't get a right to be offended. Doesn't mean you can't leave. If you've left your other church because you hate their guts now, you know what? You don't have the right to hate their guts. You don't have the right to be offended by them. We give up that right. That's not easy to do. Sometimes we are offended. We need to process that and say, God, forgive me and I forgive others. He says, next, do not lead us into temptation. Now, we got to understand, we got to look at, uh, at more scriptures to understand this. Why would we ask God not to lead us into temptation? Does God lead us into temptation? And James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, he, he, he taught this, that God does not tempt us with evil. God's not, you know, God's not like, uh, like my boys with our dog. They sit on the couch and hold the food like this. And when the dog's looking and, and intent and, and like, like having an out-of-body experience and then going. <laughs> God's not doing that to us. But in this request, we're asking God, do not allow us to take the path that leads to sin. There's always going to be a temptation. There's always going to be a path. There's always going to be something trying to draw us away from him. We're praying, God, help us to even avoid those, those, that, that nearness of sin. We think of other scriptures, flee from sexual immorality. And our prayer is not, God, show me how close I can get. Show me how far I can go. Show me what I can get away with. Our prayer is, God, may I flee sexual immorality. God, may you, may you not 
tell me how close I can get, but may you keep me far away. And then the last thing that he says, and he says, so do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are asking God to protect us from evil. This is not an abstract evil. This actually refers to a person. Satan, the evil one. There is a spiritual force trying to get you to just be religious. Trying to get you to sin. Trying to get you to walk away from the Lord, trying to get you to, uh, to deconstruct your faith, trying to get you to disconnect from church, trying to get his hooks in you in bondage and in, um, and in addiction and in even just religious pride. We know we understand the reality of the spiritual realm. It doesn't cause us to fear, but it causes us to be aware. And if we're ever in a place where maybe we feel like, you know what, I have gotten myself into some trouble, we have a prayer to one who can deliver us. Now, listen, as we've taught through that prayer, you'll be like, so what do I do? I just recite this every morning. And I want to jump back to the beginning, right? This isn't a secret formula. And Jesus wasn't teaching us, hey, memorize this and just pray this and you'll be all set. He's, he, he's not just teaching us, hey, memorize and repeat. What he's, what he's doing is he's trying to teach us how to have a conversation. He's, he's teaching us and giving us an invitation to talk to God as your father. And we, you know, as I'm, as I'm coming and, and wrapping this up and, and closing, there's the, you know, the stereotypical conversation of a teenager and a parent. And unplugged, it's a bunch of our teenagers at our churches are leaving after church today. They're doing it overnight. And when your kid, when you pick up your kid, you're like, how was it? Good. What'd you learn? Nothing. Well, tell me more. It was fine. And there's like, but there's an invitation into something much more than that. God's inviting us into into his, right, into his wisdom and into relationship. There's some teenagers that like to talk and, and don't expect your kids to talk too much after unplugged. They're very tired. All right. um, just go to Roma Joe's, buy them a rush, wait 30 minutes, then, then ask them, how was your trip? <laughs> um, but there's this that, that, that teenager, that 15-year-old with the AirPods in eventually, right, maybe grows into the 25-year-old 
And all of a sudden, there's a greater depth of relationship, a greater conversation. Like you can talk with a two-year-old, but but I remember having a conversation with my four-year-old, and like, wow, this is a this is a real conversation. And God, Jesus is teaching us; He's inviting us into that. So. What I don't want you to do is get in, get in the car with God and just tell him where to bring you and what to do and what to buy you and then complain when he doesn't do it and then put your headphones back in and be like, this is stupid. I want you to come into God and say, hey, Heavenly Father, holy is your name. Asking for your will to be done on earth, in my life, in my family. I'm asking for you to keep me from, you know, even as a teenager, I can go to a parent and say, hey, will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help keep me accountable? Will you help me from falling into these sins or falling back into these sins or, or, or going and, and, and getting into these trouble that, that, that the culture is getting into? We get an invitation from our Heavenly Father to involve him in our life. You don't want your teenager just showing up and asking things from you. Don't just show up to God when you need something from him. Have the relationship with him. Everybody, will you stand to your feet? And I want you to start now. I want you to close your eyes if you're comfortable. And even if you've never prayed before, I don't want you to be like, wait, but I still don't get it. Up, up, down, down. What? I don't know what to do next. No, just say, just start with this. God, I want to know you. And you can pray that as a whisper. You can even pray that in your mind and, and you can hear your thoughts. God, I want to know you. I want to know your holiness. I want to know your will. I want to know all about you. Give him a chance to speak to you. Give him a chance to love you. Give him a chance to be with you. You may feel oppressing like, I've got to just, I just got to tell him what I've been doing wrong. Tell him he's not, he's not embarrassed by that. He's not going to be shocked by that. Ask him to help you follow him and walk with him. Jesus, I pray for my friends. I pray for our church. Help us to be like you. Jesus, we thank you for these words here where you teach us to pray. We thank you that your dad is our dad. So Heavenly Father, we pray your will be done in this service. God, your will is that none would, would walk away from your parish. Would be, your, your will would be that none would be stuck in sin. Your will would be that none would be stuck in these problems, but that they would have forgiveness through Jesus, that they would have everlasting life, that they would have relationship with you. We pray your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.